Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing? <laughs> I'm trying to stay calm today. I, dude, that the, the song, man, pumps me up. Let's go. A big one today, boy. I love it. I love it. Love the energy. Um, well, we got a good topic ahead today. It's actually a topic that I like a lot because it's uh, something that I pretty much discuss on a regular basis, funding options that are currently available for real estate investors. And the good news is there is a lot of funding options out there currently. So today is, let's say Tuesday, April 28th. If you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular at the Real Estate uh, Reserve podcast, let me put our logo up here right quick. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you for uh, com coming back. Um, as always, feel free to comment. If you can comment below any of these feeds, we're currently live on Hard Money Bankers Facebook, Equity Warehouses Facebook, um, the Real Estate Incubator Meetup Groups Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube. We're live in, in, a, in a bunch of different places. Uh, Ian, you make sure you share this feed to as many people as you can currently because um, we want to uh, get we want to get this in front of as many people as possible. And as we're discussing and as we're going through this, um, got some interesting stuff to discuss. Feel free to comment below and we will uh, answer any questions that you have, even if it's not really related to funding or financing, which is going to be today's topic. And if you want to hop on the show, feel free to comment below and we'll chat you a link as well. And we can uh, put you in there as well. So how does that sound? Um, the, the reason we timestamp this as April 28th is things are very, very rapidly changing in our current environment. And things that we've discussed on the show yesterday might not be prevalent tomorrow and you know, vice versa. So we're trying to bring the most up-to-date information that we can. So let's talk a little bit about funding options currently available for real estate investors. Uh, and we're gonna go through a few different sources that you can get capital from. Now, the good news is, let's talk about the good news first. The good news is, is there is a lot, a lot, a lot of liquidity and a lot of capital available, currently available to real estate investors. Now, that being said, the capital that's available to real estate investors are from companies and firms and individuals that control their own capital. And that's always, that's kind of always been the case. You know, the more control somebody has in the capital, uh, the more available it'll be. And what do I mean by this? So private lenders, a lot of private lenders want to jump in this space right now because they believe that uh, the safe investments right now are either keeping their money in cash or deploying it into uh, residential. And that's usually always the time. So private capital is readily available. Local banks are, are very available and, and actively lending. Hard money lenders, not just ourselves at hard money bankers, but other hard money lenders who have control of their own capital are still actively lending. Even larger institutional lenders are still lending at the right terms. Not everybody, but there are still out there for real estate, you know, for, for, for real estate investors. So there's still ways to get capital for your real estate investor needs. So that's the good news. Now, the bad news is, in general, these lenders aren't as aggressive as they might have been 35 or 40 plus days ago, right? So they might not be as aggressive. Some of some of these some of these firms have upped their interest rates, so they've lowered their LTVs and they've upped their interest rates. So 
you as a real estate investor, depending on if you're fixing or flipping a house, if you're buying a commercial asset, if you're if you're looking for a longer term rental product, you just need to take all of that into consideration during your your buy process to make sure that the capital that you're looking for is available and adjust it as needed. You know, the 100% financing is out of there. The 90% of acquisition and 100% of construction is for the most part out of there. But that being said, we're gonna go through all of these uh, funding types one by one. So hopefully, you know, it'll help you, you know, kind of moving forward to know what's available and what are some some good options. What I miss, Ian, anything else besides uh, those? No, I think you talked just long enough for me to finish all the shares up. Um, and I am excited to talk about this topic because we're actively going through this right now as we speak. Um, you know, that I think there's some strategies that you can deploy. Uh, there's other strategies that you need to put back in the toolbox and wait a few months to go back at them. Um, and I think that we're going to go down an interesting path here and hopefully uncover some ideas for people and they can utilize them today. Um, I, I think the first and foremost, and I know this is the topic that you're going to want to talk about the most, but I'm going to challenge you on it very hard when we get to it. But I know <laughs> okay. so there's, not, there's obvious, so there's obviously a few types of funding capital, as you discussed, you know, there's private, there's local banks, and then there's a the large institutional funding. Which one do you want to start with? Let's talk about private capital first. That's always the fun one, private capital. Right. And this, is, this is the one that I thought you were going to talk about the most. Now, when you're talking about private capital, you're talking about people either investing equity into deals and or privately funding the similar, you know, a note for you or however you want to talk about private capital. What do you think is one way to I guess first and foremost, why do you think private capital is the most important out of all the capital sources? Well, private capital is important because you, you it's a relation it's a relationship and you can kind of control how the deal is structured according accordingly with your partner that you're raising the capital from or you're partnering on the deal or you're getting the capital from. And private capital there's always a need for it and let me tell you from experience from raising private capital and being in this space over the last 13 plus years, every private capital investor wants to deploy capital. It's that simple. They want to be involved in, in deals. They all want a high interest rate return or good or fair interest rate return, right? They want a good, a good fair interest rate return and they want to deploy their money as bad as you need or want their money to be deployed. Now, it's not as easy as saying, Hey, you got hundred grand. I need hundred grand. Let's match together and do a deal. You know, on a broad level, it is that it is that simple, but it's but it's really not. And someone who I get private capital from is going to be very different than someone that Ian gets private capital from because it is a relationship game. Relationship is the key to that. But more importantly, it's a good. It's got to be a good deal and a good deal based on what that capital investor wants inside their portfolio what a good deal to you might be might not be a good deal for them and that goes back to you know the relationship and understanding you know who they are and what their goals are and things like that and you know it's it, it, I, and i'll tell you from experience that the biggest the biggest um issue that all capital investors have is they need good deals to deploy capital in. so you have to supply that that good deal now a good, like I said, a good deal to you might not be a good deal for them. A good deal to you might be cool. Give me a hundred percent of, you know, give me you give me a hundred percent financing, and I'll split the profits with you 50-50. That might not be 
a good solution for them. On the other side, they might come to you and say, hey, I'll do a deal. You put up 50%, I'll put up 50% and then give me an interest rate return. And that might not be a good deal for you. So it's your job to undercover and figure out what the win-win situation is with, with that capital investor. Right. Well, and you can see right here, somebody's looking for private capital right here, live on the uh, live on the show. Um, but with that being said, so and I, I really want to deep dive this subject is because so you're saying private capital is the most important because of the relationship. And I think what you're trying to say is really the freedom and the availability for you to do deals if you're not constrained by capital, because that's usually the choke point on most deals for a lot of people. I personally, I think any of us could go to MLS um any of the big commercial sites whatever your industry standard is or turn on your marketing campaign i think we could all find a deal tomorrow um but my understanding is that you believe by having the private capital available to you it gives you the flexibility to do what you want is that you know within the terms of the capital but you know what i mean it gives you more availability or why yeah, well every everybody uses private capital in right. one way or another no matter how big or small you are. I mean, the, the biggest, largest real estate investors out there, residential and commercial, they have some sort of private capital in their capital stack in general. You know, maybe they're raising debt, maybe they're raising equity, but they're using some sort of private capital, um, you know, involved involved in deals, which they should. And in general, and this is a bigger topic that we don't really need to jump into, but in general, most real estate investors want to utilize banks. They want to use private money. They want to use uh, hard money. They want to utilize HELOCs on their primary residences. They want to use their own cash and they want to have access and the ability to draw on all of those as, as needed. But in general, everybody's very attracted to the term of private capital, but nobody wants to do the hard work to actually create the relationship and bring in the private capital investors. I mean, that was our full-time job a hundred hours a week for the first five years of our business. And that's why we have capital. And, you know, unless, you know, if you're not currently doing that, you know, it's not just gonna jump, you know, fall on your lap. You know, I've heard of stories where people go on, you know, land records and scrape, scrape data to see, you know, what IRA or, or capital investor lent money to so-and-so flipper. And then they'll, you know, circumvent them and then reach out to that capital investor and be like, hey, I got money. Well, I mean, that capital investor would be a damn fool to, to lend you money if that's, your tactic to do that, you know, in general, it's a relationship game. And not many people have rich family members or rich associates, you know, first degree associates that they know that have tons and tons of capital that they can put together for a deal. But typically, they know somebody that knows somebody that potentially does. And again, it comes back to a, to a strong deal. I mean, I look at deals all day long. And let me tell you firsthand, that the deals that you know, the majority of the deals that we look at aren't all that strong. You know, the the investor, the operator might think that they're strong and they might be okay deals, but those, but they're not, you know, the target deals that you, that you potentially are going to get any old private capital investor, you know, to work on. Like you might have to get some creative in a way to draw in that, that capital investor. Don't get me wrong. Maybe you do have a capital investor that has $100,000 and they want to join venture with you and they give you the money and you split all the profits. That's fine, but that's not the case for everybody. So you, the, the purpose of all of this is to understand what the needs and the goals are related to the private capital investor. So you can kind of work with them. And just cause, and let me tell you another you know, thing, just cause someone's got a hundred grand and they want to lend it to you and they're a private capital investor doesn't mean you should take that capital on from them as well. Exactly. You know, that's a disaster waiting to happen as well. It's, this is, 
a relationship game. This is a relationship game on the private capital side, a relationship game on the hard money lending side, a relationship game on your local bank side. It's, it's a relationship game. When you get away from lending and it doesn't feel like it's a relationship, like you go to Wells Fargo and you get a mortgage, that's okay, but that's not like a long-term strategy to, as sure. a real estate investor. And there's a, there's a major responsibility to taking on private capital above and beyond financial institution or your own capital that's being deployed, right? Like there is, there is a, a whole nother level of responsibility that you're taking some friends and family's money, uh, deploying it, you know, and you should be a hundred percent, you know, a fiduciary in that situation and take care of that money almost better than you would your own money. Um, now with that being said, now's a real, interesting time and you know you're saying go out there let go raise capital and i think now is a harder time than ever to raise capital um just based on what the economic climate is and people like you know i already see people putting up messages oh the stock market's crashing you shouldn't be investing in real estate well let's be honest you're probably not getting a quality lead off of that you're not like you said not building a relationship it's just a quick fire Hey, you're doing better than the stock market. Yeah. But my question to you is, and this is where I want to push up against you, is do you think now is a good time to raise capital? And if it is, how would you navigate that process right now? I mean, I do if it's I do if you have the right opportunity that's uh, equivalent to what everybody's seeing right now. Consumer confidence is down. Investor confidence on a small scale. I believe that smaller, less sophisticated capital investors are probably a little bit nervous right now in general. But I think the bigger capital investors, number one, they, they've been in this space. They know the risk. They know the rewards. They're actively doing stuff. They are hungry for deals and they smell blood in the water on stuff, on stuff as well. So I just know this from the capital investors that we work with. They're hitting us up like, hey, you know, got any more loans? I want to deploy, deploy capital. This is a good opportunity to deploy capital on the right deal. Now, again, this doesn't have to do with, um, you know, there's a difference between having a lots of capital available and having the right opportunities for them to do that. I do not believe that if you're looking to get a 6% interest rate from a private capital investor and have no money to contribute to the deal and you want them to put up all the capital that you're going to get that deal. I don't, I don't believe that. I think you could have got that a while ago. I think it's somewhat foolish for a real uh, a private lender to do that, but that was available. I don't think that's available right now. I think the right deals on the right assets, structuring it the right way could potentially work with you having risk, real risk, not just sweat equity risk involved uh, in, in, the, in these deals. So if someone says, well, you know, I don't have any of my own money, but I have this really, really good deal. I think that's a harder deal to get done. Do I think that you can't get it done? No, I, I think you possibly could. But I think you got to have more skin or more something more than sweat equity. I don't think sweat equity is going to cut it right now. I think there's got to be more. And it and that more could be like, cool, well, I have, you know, $20,000 HELOC left in my primary residence. I can put $20,000 on a credit card at Home Depot to do some of the work, you know, just scraping, scraping by. And again, like I'm not advocating uh, to do all those things and to acquire debt. I'm just I'm using that as an example of ways to potentially appeal, you know, appease a private capital vendor, uh, lender. But again, it's going to depend on, you know, the relationship, who they are and what their appetite is. Right. There's a lot of private capital investors that, that want to put up all the funds to get 50% of the, 
the reward. Um, and then there's lots of capital investors that want a very passive return and are willing to take a smaller rate of return with a lot less risk. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we just finished up a pretty large capital raise for a building that we're acquiring. Um, and with that being said, you know, it was getting a little difficult down to the wire. Just, you know, and I'm, I'm transparent uh, with everything that was starting to happen. You know, we got it done. I think now and I noticed something that helped us out finishing this capital raise up was that having proven data from the past six years or eight years since we got started in 2012, not only a sampling of deals of who the heck we are and what we've done, being able to close deals during the beginning of this pandemic, doing deals coming out of the last financial crisis and uh, great recession, and more importantly, being able to show what we've done and who we are and being able to open our books and say, here, we're transparent. This is everything that we've done. Here's you know, P&Ls and balance sheets, and we can prove to you who we are. I, I think that credibility goes a long way right now. Um, and I don't disagree putting capital into the deal and treating it just like you would any other investor capital is probably a really smart idea right now. Um, you're diversifying your risk. Um, but more importantly, having that credibility and being able to show people a path to how you're going to complete deals right now, even though all this crap is going on. I think that's huge. Um, and that goes yeah. a long way. And, yeah. And, and again, you know, if someone's buying a property for $100,000 and a capital investor is willing to put up 50000 of it, there's lots of capital investors out there that are willing to do that. There's not going to be that many that want to put up 100000 and bear the whole risk if you walk away from that deal. It's that simple. Yeah. And it's not, an un it's not an unreasonable thing. People get upset and frustrated about private capital because they believe that private capital should just be given to them and let them just be the operator and just give it to it. It doesn't work like that. It's <laughs> you know, private cap private capital is available, and there's a ton of it on the right opportunities. So, it's that it's that simple. So, and and I would ask you right now, and because I think your partner Chris does it does it very well. He does. If you can find some of his stuff online, uh, Chris does a very good presentation. Uh, Jason's business partner on what type of capital investors you should be seeking based on personality types. Um, but that's not the road I want to go down. Uh, is that you mentioned? sharks and blood in the water is now a time to be fearful of taking on private capital because of sharks looking to say gouge you out and you're giving up too much equity or should you continue to do deals i mean it depends if the deal works like if it's a win-win situation it's that it's that simple i mean it listen if if you if you raise capital from a private individual and they want 10 percent return or 15 percent return or 20 percent return or 100 percent return Work your numbers, see if it makes sense. Make sure it's a win-win situation. It's gotta be a win-win. Think about it like this. Let me grab my calculator real quick. Think about it like this from a private capital investor standpoint. Everybody gets so concerned about what an interest rate is and, and oh, well, the going rate's 5% or 4% or 6% or 8%, this capital investor is getting 10% or let's just say the capital investor is getting 12% interest rate return. That's easy because it's a one point per month if they take on debt, right? So you do a loan with a private capital investor and they give you $100,000, right? They give you $100,000 uh, to buy your project. So you, you owe them $1,000 a month. That's it, right? To me, that's not a fair return for somebody who's putting up all the money or potentially a good portion of the money. They're getting $1,000. And, and, you know, you, and, and an investor, a um, real estate investor might say, well, you know, I'm doing all the work. I got all the sweat equity. 
you know, I'm taking all the risk. It's like, not necessarily. They're, they're putting up all the capital. They're getting a $1,000 return. If you're flipping the house, you're going to be getting significantly more. So again, I'm not against structuring the deal that one side, one side is top, top heavy compared to the other side, as long as it's a win-win relationship. And I think so many people forget that side of it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. There's private capital out there at all interest rates, at all terms. You just got to get it the right way. And there's no, there's no red easy button. I promise you that. There's no red easy button. There's no, there's no like list of people. Oh, hey, I'm going to call these and tell them I want money. I want cap. I want private capital. It doesn't work like that. It's a relationship. Someone that gives me money is not going to give it to Ian. And people that give Ian money is not going to give it to me. It's that right. simple. And, and I think you bring up a good point is just as though there, there's not this well of private capital investors, there's also not just some book that you go and look up and you're like, this is how I structure the deal. Be creative. You know, you bring up an interesting point. And I think if I was doing deals right now, um, you know, say like a flip or something, I would probably go to a private capital investor and say, hey, let's split this 50 50. But like you said, I'm willing to give up, you know, the 12% first and back that out of your 50%. So you're at least getting them, you know, some sort of minimum, um, something along those lines and get creative. I think now's a great time to get creative and really deep dive. And I, I think the relationships that you build now out of private capital investors and you're successful during these times coming out of this and in the future is going to give you relationships that will last forever um, and put you in a, in a, a, another level of playing field right now. So, yeah, I mean, Capital that you raise, it doesn't matter if it's bank money, hard money, private capital, anybody else's money, you're more responsible for that money than your own money. Your money drowns first, not other people's money. It's that simple. And most people don't understand that principle in general. And if they don't understand that principle, you really shouldn't be in this business and you shouldn't be raising capital from anybody because their money, other people's money is more important than your own money. It's that simple. And we do. That's a part of our you know, pitch. It's that, hey, the investors get paid first, then the banks get paid second, then all of our bills get paid third. And then if there's anything left, if there's anything left, we're the last ones to get paid. And I don't think yeah. people put enough emphasis on that. Let's be honest, you're pitching, you are, you are selling, you are pitching to your private capital investors is that you need to make sure that they understand that you're not getting paid till the end, right? Like, and that you do have sweat equity, you do have exposure. You might be doing this deal for free, but in the end, they're still making their money. Um, and, and that's uh, that. You know, I think that's something that you can add to your pitch deck. And there's creative ways to depict that so people understand that you don't get paid until the very, very end. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's like, well, I'm doing all the hard work. I found the deal. And it's like you're right. Then go find another capital source right. uh, or, or use your own money for it. That's what it's about. Yeah, we're, we're in a game of risk. We're in the if game. I, I heard someone speak. He said, if this goes right, if I bought the deal right, if I don't screw up construction, if this doesn't fall down, if the permits go through, if this yeah. happens, if I sell it, if I rent it, if I do this, if, 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 if I might make money, right? There's nothing guaranteed and you're taking a lot of risk. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got anything else? I'm, I know you could talk about private capital for hours. We did a good 23 minutes on it. Uh, I'm sure you could go for another hour or two on it. You got anything else on private capital that we should discuss before we move on to uh, the banker's world? That's where I, I really like to enjoy my space. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on. If people have specific questions, I, I can answer that. But let's go on and let's go a little bit related to local banks, because I know for a fact that local banks are lending and they want to lend. And 
uh, you know, good available projects that they want to do. Now, like we talked about earlier, you know, pro is there's a lot of capital and they're lending. The con is they're going to be more conservative right now, which they should be. Yeah, and I think uh, I think some good news out of all this. I think that somewhere along the lines, the Fed lifted the re- liquidity requirements for banks, um, so that should help them allow them to uh, lend a lot more, um, and that should go a long way. With that being said, the the private banks and, and what we found it is no different pitching them than it is pitching a private capital investor. You need to go in there, tell them who you are. You need to instantly build credibility. You need to show them a proven track record of deals you've done. And then lastly, you need to show them financials that make sense, right? Uh, I remember doing a deal with a lender um, who we've had on the show before, and he said, hey, I'm gonna need like this, this, and this. I said, so like a P&L and a balance sheet. He's like, oh, you actually have all that? I said, yeah, man, like that's what we build ourselves on. The day we started our business, we always said, that we want to be bankable. We always saw that the key to our success. And by being bankable, it's put us to where we are today. Um, so having those items goes a very, very long way. With that being, um, I'm sorry, where I was going with is that when you're pitching them, you got to understand that the banks are going back to their loan committee and saying, hey, I met so-and-so. I met Dan and Ian from DNI Development Equity Warehouse. This is what they've done. This is who they are. Here's their story. This is how they got involved. Yeah, sure. They can't choose a name, DNI Equity Warehouse. We don't know how they are today. Um, but and they wear and they wear car and they wear. Never mind. They wear car hard shorts. They don't wear. Uh, they don't show up in business suits. They're they're normal guys. They're down to earth guys. But I'll tell you what. No joke. That's actually gotten us further by being who we are and not lying to people and saying, "Look, man, this is what you get. We're gonna go meet you at the bar." We're going to go have a drink and we're going to work our deal out. We're not going to go sit in an office in a suit jacket. And it's gone a very long way for us um, because they can go back to the loan committee and the loan committee then understands it. Hey, if things go sideways, these guys are going to stay involved in this deal and get the damn thing done. Um, tips, tricks, and uh, you know hacks to get bank, bank deals done right now, I would say is don't go in looking for 75 or 80 LTV, super high leverage stuff. I would think that interest rates are super important right now. If you have a little cash stuck in the deals, it's okay. Um, A lower LTV would not be surprising right now. A higher debt service coverage ratio would not be surprising right now. Um, Capital reserves might not be surprised right now uh, that all those things are increasing for the banks to protect themselves because they don't, they, there's no clear cut vision for where we're going to be in let alone one day but 24 months from now right every like jason said we document this show every day that we're on to understand where we are in the marketplace so we can go back and do this so how do you think a bank feels deploying their own capital on their own balance sheet not knowing where the future is um so they're going to try to protect themselves as best as possible and 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 keep in mind all lenders in general they want to lend they don't want to own properties they don't want to own your particular property um you know, especially they look at it as a risk if it becomes a mess in the down. down. You know, most most banks, most lenders, if someone walks away from a project, they're in trouble. So the collateral obviously is the most important thing that local banks and private you know, lenders and hard money lenders are looking at. The collateral is the most important thing. But at the same time, you know, the character of the individual borrower and the capacity um, and even sometimes the credit is an important aspect because they want to make sure that you're stuck in this deal and you've got skin in the deal and you're not willing, you don't want to walk away from that. Walking away from a deal is awful for the bank. The bank wants to be your partner in the deal. Now, obviously, 
you know, you go to a bank, they're going to be cheaper terms than everybody, than everybody else. But, um, but I don't know. I think to sum up a lot of what we're talking about is there's still a lot of available capital. I mean, I see it firsthand. I see it from private capital investors. I know from other companies that I know from local banks that I know, but at the same time, they all want to be more conservative. If anyone says, Hey, are you, you know, Hey, you still lending? Of course we're still lending. Why wouldn't you lend? The loans that the banks, the hard money lenders, the private capital investors are lending today are better than the deals that they lent on 40 days ago, probably. They're better deals. They should be lending. You know, some of these larger national uh, companies that went either out of business or stopped originating right now, I think now is a better time to do it. Now, obviously, you know, when you don't have too much control over the capital to begin with, it makes it a little bit challenging if you're contingent on someone buying on a secondary market. And I get all that. And I'm not a naysayer on it. I believe that, you know, in general, it's a good business model. They're able to deploy cheaper capital. But in general, you know, you need to have control and you need to go to somebody who has control kind of, you know, kind of on it. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, sorry, the point just hit me. I was resonating what you were saying. You were talking about the big boys and I don't want to mention any names. You guys know who the national lenders are, the big CMBS guys. Um, that go out, they borrow money from Wall Street, they issue the loans, and they go back and sell them and securitize them. Um, they move and shake back and forth on that. Yeah, their interest rates are a little bit higher. They have non-recourse debt. They have all this other stuff. And I think this is where you kind of see the food chain, right? You got private capital that's like up here, personally, like right here. You know, that's number one because it gives you the freedom to do the deals the way you set the terms. Then you got the local banks who understand your business. They understand who you are. They're right in the middle for me. Um, they're the ones that are able to take the private capital out of the deals. They're the ones that understand who you are. You're the one, I just got an email today from one of our local banks that said, Hey, is everything okay? Uh, you're financed with us. If tenants aren't paying, we'll do a forbearance agreement, even though it's not an FHA loan. They're working with us through the deals. They know who we are. They understand who we are. We see them every day. Then you got the big boys to me. I, I, I'm like down here. I, I don't really like their process. Um, they're way at the bottom for me. The problem is, that you're just a number to them, right? You're you're just filling that securitization, or you're just getting their deals, and, and you're knocking numbers off the board for them. They don't. I don't want to say that they don't care. There's not the same relationship that you have with local banks as you do with the national lenders. Um, and I, honestly, I would say establish a relationship first with a local bank. Don't sweat. Don't sweat that non-recourse. Everyone sweats non-recourse, non-recourse. First off, when you sign those deals, you, the carve outs, they're going to come after you anyway, if they really want to. And number two, more importantly, if you're not all in on this business and willing to put it all on the line, you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. Right. Like that's that's how I see it. If if you go out and you're willing to sign and do whatever the heck and do all this work and not put your life, you know, more or less your life on the line, say, I'm here to get this deal done. And no matter what happens, I'm going to put it together and get it done. Then you shouldn't be doing the deal anyway, you know? So who cares about non-recourse? Sure, 10, sure. 20 million dollar loans, it gets a little bit different. But for what we all do for on the day-to-day -day basis, go out, man, establish your establish the local banks, establish your private capital. Don't sweat the big boy stuff. They're the ones that are turned off right now and you're dead in the water, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's always a time. I mean, let me tell you, when I when we were raising private capital, even to this day with some of our private capital investors, they they would look at some of our deals and be like, you know, why would this person who's so qualified, who has a lot of cash, why would they use hard money and pay high interest rates? It's like 
because real estate investors in general need to diversify into different avenues of where they get capital from. They, they have banking relationships. They have HELOCs on their houses. They have cash. They have you know private capital. They use hard money. And depending on what time and place the deal works, it works great. If you have a if you have a guidance line or you have some sort of line of credit with your local bank at five or six or seven percent, and you have a project that takes thirty days to close, by all means use them. They're the best could potentially be the best option. But you might have a deal that comes in that you're going to lose out on that opportunity, and you pay your thirteen percent interest rate to your hard money lender or your twelve percent interest rate to your private money lender because they can move quick. So that that's the that's the reason. Like assembling a team to have multiple capital sources you know, is, is where it's at. And, you know, unfortunately, if you don't have a ton of resources right now, this is when the hard work comes in to get the resources, you know, go, you know, go out and figure out ways to raise a little bit of money. Um, it you know, go out, wait, you know, go out in ways. And, and you can listen, if you ever heard the term capital stack, these bigger, these, these big development projects and these bigger commercial projects, they use something called a capital stack and there's multiple lines. They're getting bank, then they're getting additional debt and they're bringing in private equity and then they're bringing in other things in order to get this $100 million project put together. Listen, you could do the same thing. You could go get, okay, cool. My local bank's gonna give me a 60% LTV. So 60 grand on a hundred grand. Then I have this guy, he's gonna put up $10,000. I'm gonna use, I have $10,000, I'm gonna put up that and I'm gonna do this and this. And all of a sudden you stack the deal together. Is it ideal? No. Is it a pain in the neck? Of course, but if that's what you have to do to grind to get a, a deal together, if if it works, if you don't have much capital, don't go look for a five hundred thousand dollar property. It's that simple. It's not just about how much capital you need into the deal up front to go to closing. You got interest payments, you got construction overages, you got reserves, you got you you know other holding costs associated with things. So many people don't realize that. You know they want to just go buy multiple properties and lever up to the T. Go do one good deal and work from there. And if you do it that way, there's a lot of capital available. Um, Ian, should we go through Rodney's question? Yeah, I got to follow it along. Uh, Rodney, I don't fully follow this either. So the numbers are, and I'm happy to throw you on this. You know, to hop, you can hop on here if you want. We can send you a link. Um, Five twenty-five. The numbers are six hundred thousand. So okay, so you're buying it. So you're buying it for five twenty-five. It's got six hundred rehab. I'm assuming this is in DC. Um, we're putting 75 grand cash in and then 1.1 million total. So does that mean that you're getting a loan of 1.1 and then your cash to close at 75 or you're just doing 525 towards the, the bank's just giving you 525 towards the purchase and you need 75 cash in. Um, I think you're I mean, saying, I think you're saying oh, you said he's ready. Try, try private lending. Um, but it seems like, it seems like whatever the building, it's a commercial building. You didn't say where it was, but it seems like they're all in at 1.1. Um, I don't know what happened. And that. Rodney, I was in downtown Baltimore. Um, Rodney, I got to figure out how to get you a link. Stop on here. Uh, actually, uh, do it. Rodney. How can I'm, you do it? Keep, keep right. Rodney, I'm going to send you a private message from my personal Facebook. Um, but before we jump into this, I love Baltimore. Oh. Um, there was something else I was going to tell you before we get derailed here. Uh, That's okay. Um, sorry for the silence, everybody. We're uh, we're not that advanced. Uh, there you go. Right, so let's I, 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 hop on in. Uh, we'll see yeah, you back. We'll, we'll we'll hop. 
make sure your audio is working when you hop in. So, Michael, I'm in Texas. We're getting hit with oil and gas layoffs. Um, can you talk about how to pitch investors on why real estate is worth investing in now? So, again, the capital investors that you want to pitch, obviously, the ones that understand real estate investing in general. You know, a, a lot of times, this is a true story. In 2007, when we started, a lot of when we were out there raising capital, a lot of the investors that we were pitching were other hard money lenders as well. And the reason why is everyone wants good deals to invest in. And a lot of them had more deployable cash than they had good opportunities. Typically, most people have more deployable cash than good opportunities. The right people that you want to be in, in bed with, they have, they, have, they have more, you know, they, they always want to get involved in every good deal. At our company, every good deal that, that, that we believe fits the mold, we're going to fund. It's that simple. So the, the purpose of my, the point of this is a lot of these hard money lenders were lending out at whatever they were lending out. And then they were like, well, listen, if you have any good opportunities, send them over and we'll do them as well. Um, and they were just getting a smaller rate of return. They were getting, you know, whatever our note rate was that we were comfortable paying them um, on, the, on the particular on the particular deal. Ian, uh, Rodney just chatted. I'm going to get a link. Um, so uh, the people that are actively investing and understand real estate, those are going to be the only people that you're going to be able to pitch right now. If they don't understand real estate in general, they don't understand private you know, private note investing, trustee investing. They don't understand that. I'd probably stay away from those passive investors currently. Now, those are great investors in the future, um, but they're going to, and I believe that you should create relationships with them now because, again, someone that you pitch today, you're not going to get to invest with you today. It's going to be a longer term process. Hopefully, it's not going to be, you know, a year process, but it's going to at least be a month process or maybe it's probably about a month or a few month month process. It's not going to happen overnight. So if you have a deal that needs to close today, it's probably not going to it's probably not going to you know happen overnight. Um, there, Ronnie, you should be able to click on that and see. So I would say someone that under, understands this game to begin with, and they just want good deals. Now again, it's got to be a good opportunity, like a really, really, really good opportunity. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think before the SEC comes breathing down our neck here. I mean, look, in the end, you're you're more or less. I can't use the word security, otherwise the feds will be knocking at the front door, right? But you're selling them something. You're you're presenting them something that's more stable than what you're doing now, right? And that's why a lot of people like to compare. That's why they like to compare to the stock market because the stock market is very easy to watch go up and down. Or I guess oil is probably easy to watch go up and down. You need to show them why real estate has worked. Why has it worked through the ups? Why has it worked through the downs? How has it worked for you? How has it bettered your life? How has it provided stability to your own personal portfolio? And you really need to message match what the investor is looking for. Hey, are you tired of the uh, uncertainty of oil? Do you, you know, do you not know where um, the next oil crisis is coming from? Sure, there can be a major upside, but the downside is way worse than what the upside is. And in the end, real estate provides a nice level, stable return. And this is how we do it from on a deal to deal basis. And if you don't have deals that you've already done, go out and find deals that you would have done and show them how you would have done the same exact deal. Yeah, exactly. Relationship game. All right, Ronnie, we're gonna bring you in. What's All up, right. man? How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, hey, hey, what's up? hey, I'm Jim. He's a real estate hey, attorney. Hey, Jim. Been practicing since the 90s. Nice. And, uh, I'm Rodney Augustine. So we have this, bur we're looking for some feedback. Because I tuned in and I just you're you're well experienced seasoned vets I can tell, 
and um, we would just like some feedback. So sure. We have a building under contract right now. Is it okay to say the address live or? Yeah, it's, up, it's up to you guys. <laughs> okay. So we have the building under contract 233. Two, we're, we're, we're down to Lake Mason. That's where we are. Yep. So okay. If it's a little staticky, we're 23 floors up. So yep. we're, we have a property under contract 233, 235 North Howard for 525. We've got the comp back okay. and it, it's coming in at 2.3. It's next door to the $44 million development of Lexington Market. We know it's right next door. It's Howard and uh, right across the yep. subway station, Saratoga. Yep. So we got approved by Block M Investments for 525. We've done a number of flips with Neil Roseman, Block M Investments. Um, are you familiar to Mark Horowitz? No, I'm not. No. Okay. Yeah. That was a guy, Mark Horowitz, I used to deal with a while back in Trevor Living. So what he does is he foreclose the properties and I pretty much buy them and we sell them out. But the deal that we asked for feedback on today is Howard Street. How would you approach that? So, well, a few questions. So I wasn't sure if you're trying to get uh, rehab capital as well, or you're just buying for 525, putting down 75 and Neil's going to put up the rest. So I thought about this. I thought about raising the construction a hundred thousand and basically I don't know if, you, if I raise the construction, maybe I could raise the value a little bit. But what I'm trying to figure out is, okay, I got approved for 525, but we need purchase. So I'm looking for a partner that wouldn't mind being second to the the purchase because it's a six month project. Yeah. yeah so like rehab. Yeah. Subrogate. Yeah. Would they subrogate the two you know, or how would it look? I don't, I don't know how to do the deal. So you, okay, so okay, so so yeah. you're so you're saying Neil's gonna put up four no, four fifty, is that right? I know Neil. Oh yeah, that's my dog. Yeah, I know Neil very well. So all right, so four, so he's gonna put up four fifty. Um, well, five twenty five. He's Neil's putting up five twenty five. I have I have a, bu a a bunch of current projects with Neil. I'm cashing them all out. So, okay, so okay, so. All right, so let's just say, let's just say, okay, so he's putting up for the most part the purchase money, and then you're just looking for no, private. Neil's doing the construction. It's only five twenty-five. He's doing. I asked for six hundred. He's giving me five twenty-five, so I have to put up seventy-five. But the problem is, uh, the he doesn't want to do the front. He wants to do. He wants me to put up. The building money, but the building's going to be worth double that when they finish this forty-four million dollar. So okay, so technically, so technically, he wants you to put up six hundred grand, and then he'll come in to do to to layer <laughs> to layer the construction. So I need as some, I need some capital stacking from the experts here, and I'll even cut <laughs> you in on it for the feedback. Seriously, <laughs> I, that, I mean that's a, I don't know that's a challenging one, and I uh, commend Neil because I think he structured that the right way because. He limits his risk because he doesn't really have much risk at the beginning until the property is underway and getting improved. Because then he's coming in to draw out that money. So you 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 need purchase money first from somebody. So technically, I guess you would have to raise private capital and then allow them to subordinate um, behind Neil as he comes in behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you do you see with a building like this, Neil would only be out of pocket. You know, true cash. He's putting up five twenty five on a two twenty three. So in first position. I'm looking for if I put up half the money on the purchase, would someone come and see me? Um, so if I put up, that's a tough one. <laughs> if I put up, if I put up three hundred on this two twenty-five, well, the, the the rest, I got Neil pulling up in the front. So if I raise the construction, 
I can offset some of my costs, but I would need someone experience like you guys to really. Yeah, you know, I mean, it almost it almost seems like you want to raise equity for a project with a private capital investor and let. What do you think? Let me. Let me back up. You know, like. Hold on, we got some feedback on one of ours, so it's. Uh, oh, great. Let me let, let me mute you real quick while I talk, and then I'm gonna unmute you afterwards. I just want. I'm just. There you uh, go. Is that is that better? Okay, yeah. There was some some. So I'm thinking something similar to this. Um, and again, I don't. <laughs> I don't know who this ideal person would be, but somebody that you could par partner with on this particular project as equity. They come in, they put up the cash or multiple people. You raise it, you know, five different people. Uh, they each put up $100,000. They participate in, you know, maybe a new entity that purchases this particular property. Um, you know, full transparency that they know that you're going to be getting debt for the construction. You just need more of the uh, operating costs and the capital and the capital to, to purchase the property. So you try to you try to raise a few hundred thousand dollars, 600000 whatever it costs in order to get into that. Um Hold on, I got you muted, so I can't hear you. Uh, so you're you're gonna so you you raise you raise money, you buy the property. Soon as you buy that, in, in you know in the entity, then you go to Neil. You do the refinance. My guess is Neil wants five twenty five, but he's probably not dispersing five twenty five up front. He's probably dispersing it in draws as you're as you're improving it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I just want to unmute you. So the tricky part's going to be to try to structure a deal to try to get six hundred thousand dollars in private capital. Would you have um, a partner that would be open into what if we did an equity split on the refi? So, for example, if your client put up, met me halfway on the building, let we subrogate the mortgage, and then the we take we pay them out out of the refi. So, I would think the easiest way to do this deal would be to sign a person on the LLC to protect their interest, and then he could draw up the docs to limit the distribution. Yeah, but you're but you're not during the refi. That's not going to pay off that front end person because, you know, Neil Neil they're going to have to. It's going to be the ownership. What's Never that? Mind. Never mind. I don't want to say that. I was saying, if possible, if, if the person is interested in signing on the LLC and being part of the entity, and then Neil pulls up with the six hundred thousand. Well, it's five twenty five. I got to put up seventy five. I think the deal could work like that, especially on something that's worth two point three. And ball, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's an old bank. It's the old bank on the corner. Yeah, I see it. Uh, it's already, it's already yeah. thrown out. It's thirteen thousand square feet. So, yeah, two uh, two thirty three. The white building. Um, very familiar with it. Ah, oh, it's brown. brown. With the brown. brown brick building. Yeah, I mean, it's it, listen, it's just a, it's a matter of finding somebody who's got a comfort level who wants to partner with you on a particular deal. I mean, like I said, you know, private capital investors that may that would invest with us might not invest with Ian or you and vice versa. Your capital investors might not invest with me. It's just because it's a relationship. They got to see the vision of the project. I mean, if that was my project, I would probably go out and try to find a few smaller chunks, maybe $100,000 a piece of somebody who wants to own that property with you. And it's just a long-term play project with them. You know, obviously you could work out deals on the back end if you want to refinance them out in the future or pay them off with proceeds. But for the short term, you know, work it in that, you know, everyone who comes in and puts up a hundred grand, whatever, get 15% interest. Um, and then you get, I don't know, a few people or 10% interest. Let's say you get five people put up a hundred grand, then, you know, 
50%, you own 50%, they own 50%, yeah. something like that. I mean, Ian's done, Ian's done projects like that. I haven't really done too much stuff like that because we've always just been straight debt, not, not equity. Yeah. Um, so there's two things. If you want to protect your equity position, if you have any, I'm sorry, I'm like looking between two screens here, but if you want to protect your equity position, do you have any other properties that you could cross collateralize against? Like you said, hey, I'm liquidating my portfolio. Um, so this way those investors get taken out first. Um, there's a there's a there's a possibility that you could do that um, and cross collateralize and this way you retain all your equity. Um, and then they're getting an added security for subrogating and being in second position. Um, you, if you really want to protect your equity position, you don't want to give up any equity. Uh, I would offer a considerably higher interest rate for second position because there is risk. Um, and fully, obviously, you got your real estate lawyer there that you can fully explain to them that they still have rights and positions in second position that they're not getting, that they're just not going to magically get wiped away. They still have a chance to protect themselves. Lastly, I'm with Jason on this one that I would be giving up equity. I would probably be trying to find a partner that's willing to be with you on the deal, potentially in the refinance, um, you know, potentially give them a, a, a personal guarantee fee. Um, you get like an acquisition fee and a development fee um, that this way you might be giving up equity, but you're still scraping fees off of the deal. And this goes back to the private equity, you know, um, a deal like this, you can charge an acquisition fee, you can charge a development fee, you can charge a planning fee, a due diligence fee, um, a refinance fee, and still give them everything that they want. You know, you can still give them a preferred return um, with a fatter equity split. Sure, your payout in the end is going to be less, but you still have a ch you're getting more money up front, um, and you're still it's a win-win situation both for you. Um, and your investors. I, I'd be curious to peel some layers back on this deal um, and truly understand what the redevelopment looks like. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting. And I think there's a way that you can structure it, especially now for people looking for long-term stability against what they're getting in their um, IRA and portfolio right now. Um, I just like the yeah, front he, of the <laughs> Yeah, he, he, fell, he fell off the feed, but that's okay. Um, his internet might have shut up. You know, Dave Bauer wrote, you know, so he's in need of a gap funder. Yeah, in essence, gap funder. I mean, more gap funders are involved on smaller scale projects where, you know, they go to a hard money lender and, you know, they get a hundred grand, they need 40 grand and the gap lender comes yeah. in and puts up 40 grand. Yeah, or gap funder. Yeah, the business um, is called Mesdin. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I think that's going to be hard for him to get debt on that deal behind Neil's debt um, or besides Neil's debt, I, I would say. And I think Neil structured that deal perfectly, to be honest with you. I mean, he's not going to have much risk at the beginning. Um, and then, uh, you know, as as the deal gets developed, you know, Neil will extend them, you know, construction money and things like that. So I know because that Howard Street corridor is getting redeveloped. So it should be uh, should be interesting if you can make yeah. it work. I know they're doing the big redevelopment down the street on that white building. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. best. No. Yeah. And also, and also, like, keep in mind, you know, in general, you know, there's a lot of people out there that aren't private lenders or aren't private investors that still potentially want to be involved in deals that have some capital. There's nothing wrong with, you know, having a real estate investor reaching out to one of your friends that's a real estate investor and maybe they have a HELOC, you know, maybe they have a, a line of credit on their house and say, hey, you want to be involved in this project with me? And, and I think the equity participants participation play is the one to go on something like this. I think it's going to be too hard to structure any other type of debt 
uh, any other type of debt with it. All right, Ian, where were we on funding sources? Did we finish that? <laughs> I forget. I don't know. We just covered every single funding source we could on this one deal. There's a there's a million, you know, and that's the advantage to knowing all the funding sources between private capital, banks, um, and because uh, yeah, some deals you need them all in. Yeah, the other thing I'm thinking real quick is uh, maybe you can give Neil a higher interest rate and go out and get a, a a bank debt up front and get Neil to subordinate if he's willing to do the deal and reduce his exposure and increase his interest rate. There's a potential that you could do that deal just like that. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I think we covered them all and that deal really just summed it up. That, that was awesome that we brought them in. And I think going forward, uh, you know, if anybody has comments and you bring value to the show, we're going to bring you on live here. Um, in the end, man, it's all about what you're comfortable with. And if, you, if you're willing to take on that debt, you know, personal, fi you know, per not personal finance, um, private funding, bank funding, big boy funding, whatever the heck you're going to use, you're still on the hook for that money. And if you, you're not going to be able to sleep at night because you borrowed grandma's retirement plan and it's going to make you sick to your stomach, don't borrow it straight up. Just don't do it. You know what I mean? If you're going to lose sleep over it and you feel like shit about it. Don't do it. If you're going to go to the banks and it's going to keep you up at night, go all cash. Don't, don't get debt. Don't lever up. Nobody says you have yeah. to do this. You know, I agree. we went down that road. Yeah. Lever up, lever up, lever up. At a certain point, you're like, shit, man, like I'm levered to the hills. Is it really worth it? Or should I just pay debt down and just have a nice portfolio? I don't need to be the biggest portfolio on the street. I don't need to be the guy with the private jet. I just want to have a nice portfolio that cash flows because that's the name of the game in the end of this. So, yeah. And, and again, you know, believe me when I tell you, if you're not levering up on these things and you have additional skin to put in and you have lower LTVs, you're going to be able to get capital a lot easier from your local bank, from your private capital investor, from your hard money lender. And go ahead. No, I'm sorry. That deal right there, prime example. If we weren't levered to the hills, you know, a deal like that, I would go to the bank and say, okay, we, this is what we want for financing, cross collateralize our portfolio. We're willing to put it on the line and go. You know what I mean? Like that's the advantage of having no debt on some properties that you own, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we didn't really talk too much about the hard money side. We talked more about private capital and and local banks in general but the hard money side is the same thing it's the same setup you know yes there's a little bit of relationship yes the the hard money lenders that have control of their own capital are still all lending they are um the ones who lost control of them might not be but the ones who have control of their capital they want to lend and they are lending we're still lending very actively um but again the hard money lenders, along with the private capital investors and along with the local banks, they're being more conservative. They should be. We all should be. You should be more conservative when you go buy a property right now. Yep. Uh, in, ge in general, everybody should be and, and find the better, op the better opportunities. You know, keep in mind, we haven't seen enough in the market right now. There hasn't been enough pain from buyers or sellers. There hasn't been enough pain from landlords. Um, you know, we talked about April 1st being a big date related to mortgages being due and rents being due. April 1st, a lot of positive things still happen. People still pay their mortgages and, and uh, tenants still and residents still pay their rent. May 1st is another big month to see what happens there. So it's not like there's these home run deals out there right now. There will be in the near future. But, you know, every, you know, banks and lenders are, are, you know, kind of on edge trying to figure out where they want to be at. I mean, in general, we've cut our LTV down about 10% just to be kind of on the, uh, you know, the, the, the smart side. 
um, to, you know, to, to be safe. But people are still lending. I don't think you're going to get 100% financing or 90% financing. We start off the show that says the 90% loans with 100% construction, 100% acquisition, 100% construction is not there. It's not going to exist. I don't think it's going to exist. And I do believe that if some of these larger institutional back um, note buyers or larger institutions and, and capital sources come back, which I believe some of them will, don't be surprised if the interest rates are higher and the LTVs are lower. Yeah, it's just that simple. You're, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that can't swallow the, hey, I'm used to I'm used to my hard money lender giving me nine, you know, eight and one, ninety percent of the acquisition, hundred percent of the construction. Uh, I, you know, I I can't swallow going with a hard money, you know, hard money lender that uses their own capital or uses only private capital and it's more expensive with lower LTV. Yet they, they can't do that. I'm like, okay, when those guys come back. It's not, they're not going to come back and leave off where they were. They're going to come back and they're going to be more conservative. And I think it's the universe looking out for you, man. They're saying, slow down. You know what I mean? If you don't have the capital to do the deal right now, don't do it. And, you know, like, exactly. They're, or I mean, it's very easy to get in trouble, you know? I mean, I saw, I mean, I've already seen behind the scenes on some of, you know, some of the turns. Hold on, I got to switch this headset. Can you hear me? Yeah, we were better? Do, yeah, we were supposed to do a short show today. We're going an hour. <laughs> I know you killed my AirPods. I weren't even fully charged. Um, I got a, I got a piece since we went live. <laughs> but I've talked to some of them and I've seen behind the scenes of what they're doing. You know, their their interest rates have been I think your phone is still connected. Go into your audio settings, change your audio settings up. As you guys can see, this is real live stuff. We're screwing up right in front of your own face. Nope. Can't hear you. Check one, two. Oh, shit. Uh, there goes the show. I'm going to have to leave the closing. Come on, man. Get it together. No? Hello? Jason ruined the whole show. I'm here by myself. Stop. There Stop. you go. There it is. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> no, but I've already I've already talked to them. Um, I've, you know, a lot of them, and I see what the interest rates are. I see what the LTVs are, and they're the same as private capital or hard money lenders were. Maybe a little bit better but not much better so that's the whole thing is you just got to adapt and pivot to what's available and if the numbers don't work for for the investors and they don't work for the investors but there's a win-win this whole thing is about supply and demand right we talked about this when we 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 talked about this when we started we talked about if you're raising private capital it needs to be a win-win for you it might be hey i want 100 capital i want 100 financing with six percent interest rate that's that's a win for you. That might not be a win for the capital investor. The capital investor might say, I want you to put up half the money and pay me a 12% interest rate return. And you might be like, well, that's a win for you. That's not a win for me. And then you meet in the middle and you figure it out. That's where all this come that's where all this comes in at. hundred percent. And if uh you're not willing to do give and take, you shouldn't be doing you shouldn't be asking people for money. Um, Tyler Frank hits a home run here. If you, you know, if you don't have the capital, don't do it. I was saying that earlier. It's exactly why banks only want to lend to people that have money and don't need it. Um, you know, a lot of that statement's true. You know, you should have capital. You should have skin in the game. Um, and it protects both sides. Honestly, it's not just protecting the bank. It's protecting you. It gives you that comfort level that you're not over levered to the heel, hills, you know, uh, cash flowing, whatever your minimum is, you know, it puts you where you need to be. Um, so Don, uh, welcome to have you as a new investor. I'm glad you're enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, let, me go, let me go through all the, want me to go through them or you want to real quick? Go ahead. 
Uh, Rodney, thanks for uh, hitting us up earlier and hopping on. That was good. Um, Rodney, we talked to earlier. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I thought that was Jim Holderness that was on earlier. Let's see. We talked. We went through Mike's question. Hey, Rodney, is what else we got in here? Don. Tyler, Tyler, thanks. Um, Jim Holderness, what's up? Don, I'm a new investor. Love this feed. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Um, tomorrow, what do we got tomorrow? I think uh, we were having some technical difficulties today, and I'm glad we got to do this one because we were going to save it. Um, but I think Rob from RPS, Rob from RPS Flooring is going to jump on tomorrow and discuss supply chain issues um, and discuss how he's been combating with what's going on um, and how he's been able to continually get uh, flooring in and still be able to do installs for investors um, and being able to keep jobs moving. Yep. How to maximize your supply chain to efficiently get building materials currently, which is good because a lot of people are complaining about that. It's hard to get building materials for, for their jobs in general. Um, seems like there's, you know, obviously still available. And it seems like a lot of people are just going to Home Depot and trying to stock up whatever they get their hands on. But anything yep. that they can't get through, the Home Depots of the world have been challenging um, in, in, in general. And I guess that's kind of affected regionally. Is that right, Ian? Yeah, we'll talk about more about it tomorrow. But I, I think it is based on the region and, you know, what the supplies look like and where you're getting your materials from. So um, we'll, we'll bring all that together tomorrow. And uh, I, dude, I really got to pee. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you see me rocking? I'm like dying here. I'm like, should I just go under the desk? I don't know what to do. So, all right. All right. Uh, we'll, see everybody, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Thanks again. Tomorrow, 1 30. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast. Do us a favor and like, comment, and share our broadcast. It helps the algorithm and helps us spread the word too. Till next time, thank you for tuning in.